0: Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Eric Karpinski on the line. Eric, how are you? I'm
1: doing great, Mike. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, uh, looking forward to having this conversation.
0: Yeah, I am too. Um, and as we said in the pre-show, you are doing some amazing work and have done for, for quite some time um, that's really needed right now in, in this world of pandemics and working from home and stress and uh, all the negativity that is really easy to find because I think, unfortunately, a lot of people look for it. But we're going to talk about <laughs> The positive side of things. So, share with the audience a little bit about you and and some of the great work you do.
1: Sure. sure. So, I've essentially spent the last 10 years on the juncture of business and psychology, bringing bringing a lot of amazing research from positive psychology, from organizational psychology, from neuroscience, into organizations in practical ways. Like, How do we we increase the amount of happiness our people feel? And importantly, uh, how that ties then to engagement. And how that ties to how we do our work? Yeah, I mean, I know, uh, you know, I don't know how much engagement sort of and the research around engagement is in your world, Mike, but but so many organizations are measuring engagement and they're trying to improve engagement and they talk about it all the time. And you know, if you look at Gallup's data, the sort of gold standard for <clears throat> for engagement over the last twenty years, it's only moved about five percent up and about five percent down from where it was in two thousand one. So. We're doing something wrong, and what when you look deeply at the research, what you find out is that engagement is actually driven by positive emotions by people feeling positive emotions. And when we and when leaders talk about engagement, unfortunately, they tend to talk about the incredible benefits that come to organizations when their people are engaged, right? They talk about increased productivity and increased profitability and happier customers and and people that stick around. Or they talk about, you know, what they want to see from their people. If you were engaged then you'd be loyal and you'd be committed and you'd be giving your, you know, going the extra mile. But of course, when people hear that, all they hear is, "Look, you just want me to work more without really paying me more money, so what's in it for me, right? And so, if we can switch, switch sort of how we think about engagement instead of the benefits that are coming to the organization, but instead think about uh, the positive emotions that actually drive engagement. And if we can think about engagement as part of happiness and activated positive emotions that drive it, that's suddenly we're realigning everybody and putting everybody in the same direction. Because here, here's the thing, most people don't care about their engagement. But they do care really deeply about their happiness. So let's align those two. If you look at if you look at people who are engaged, they're feeling inspired. They're feeling enthusiastic. They're feeling proud. They're feeling like they belong and they're part of a team. They feel like what they do matters. So instead of focusing on the outcomes, let's focus on how do we increase that? How do we increase those positive emotions and that becomes um that really helps everybody start pulling in the same direction because we're talking about happiness and we're trying to and trying to do it so the seven strategies in the book so i i've got a book coming out march 9th mcgraw hills publishing it and it's all it's called put happiness to work and it's got seven strategies that are driven by the science driven by the research um that are known to increase both happiness and engagement so yeah, so I guess that was that was a long-winded way of, of talking about what I do, but that's we need to focus on happiness and specific types of happiness in order to drive engagement, um, both as leaders and for ourselves.
0: No, well, congratulations on the book. I'm looking forward to to reading it. And as you were talking about, you know, the happiness and, and engagement and all of that, a memory came back to me of an organization that I worked at almost mm-hmm. a quarter century ago, which is downright alarming when I, th- <laughs> when I did the math in my head. So my original career was accountant. So okay. um, I, I, I still can do a little bit of math, but you know, I, I heavily rely on the calculator, but I use the one in my head and I'm like, how in the world is that that long ago? But it makes sense. But anyway, it was for an, it was a software company um, that basically did installations at client sites across North America. And our installation team would fly out to those particular client sites and do the installations. Now, typically, um, the size of our clients were such where we would send one installer, maybe two if it was a little bit bigger. But our our installation department was about 12 people. So every week, they'd all go out and we would do anywhere from eight to 12 installs. Well, this was in in 1997. Uh, my good buddy Mark and my boss Richard um, were we all for some reason had a cluster of installations in New Orleans.
1: Okay,
0: and they were all kind of scattered apart and then, but they weren't too distant as far as timing were concerned. So they floated the idea and they got all the way up to the CEO because it was a little bit out of the ordinary, but what they did was for one week, we're sending the entire installation team to new Orleans. Now, of course, everybody thought we were going to be on, you know, bourbon street the entire time. Well, not quite, but it worked out that way. And this is how it did. Isn't, installation team, we were thrilled that they approved it. We're like, our entire team gets to go to New Orleans and work, of course, but we're Mm -hmm. also going to be together working in installs. And we looked at it and we're like, okay, now how do we, who's working on what? And we were looking at everything and we we basically mapped all the installations out because there were six installations going on down there. So what we did is said, okay, well, how long would it take to do all of these? And of course, we're all working together. We're brainstorming, all that stuff. We're engaged and we're having fun with it uh, because our company said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So what we did is we looked and we went, all right, we're going to go through and we are all going to show up at this one client's first. We're going to notify all the others what's going on. So day one there's 12 installers showing up at this client site. They were supposed to have two. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, 12 people came in. We told them, we're not charging you a dime extra. You're getting 12 installers um, because we've got other installations on, and we want to get them all done. So we got that install done in a day and a half. And then the yeah. others we got done basically in another day and a half. So we got six installs done in basically three days okay now we're still there for two solid days and of course the cost to fly us all back or somewhere else would have been you know and they didn't really plan for it like we can't do it it's like well you guys are gonna have to stay down there so every morning we would go and bounce around to all the insight or all the um installs and say okay everything good great 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 and then the rest of the time you know we ate and partook in beverages and everything else that Bourbon Street has to offer. Number one, we had the highest customer ranking from every one of those installs. They all praised us. We got letters of recommendation. We got acknowledgement from our CEO. Everything. It was like the best ideal thing. And all we wanted to do was party. But we (laughs) did. And we did. But we also got the work done really well. And it was creating a work environment that allowed us to thrive to this day there was there was no other installation that any of us did that topped what we did that week um, and but again it it ties into organization believed in us of course they were hesitant and they're like do not screw up because we all would have been you know right. getting you know thrown to the unemployment line and we yeah. didn't we, we, we excelled above and beyond. And I got bonuses, you name it. It was, it was an amazing time. So when you were talking about this, I mean, that was just one story that came to mind. And I started thinking about all the places I've ever been in those moments in time where the organization was like, I am thriving here and I love being here. And it's, that's where people need to connect to and find that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Alexa, Stop. Sorry, my we got a family alarm that uh, this is normally when I need to get my son up, but he's already as I mentioned earlier, he's he's taking his driving test right now, so uh,
0: hopefully, he's, hopefully he's awake. Yeah,
1: yeah, hopefully he's awake. Exactly. <laughs> we are, um, yeah. So I mean, I think what's what's great about that is finding those experiences where something works right. The, the team gets together; they're super engaged, and and one of the one of the neat things about having so much great research about what helps people be happier and more engaged is that you can find things you can, I do what's called, I set up what's called the action buffet. All right. There are so many different habits and exercises and things that you can do. And you need to find, here's the thing, not everything, research shows that lots of things work and we know specifically what works, but what we don't know is what's going to work for your team there, Mike. We didn't know exactly what was going to work for you. You guys all had your unique experiences, your unique um, opportunities, your unique quirks, your unique personality types. And so one thing that's important is I talk about the action buffet because there are so many different tools we can try, but there's no one plan fits all. So you need to try things out, experiment. If you read through the book, you'll see dozens of different exercises and habits that can be, that can, that are proven to increase both happiness and engagement, but you don't know what's going to work for your team. And so, as a leader, or as a manager, you need to figure out what sounds exciting to you. What do you think is going to work for your team? Maybe you even get a couple of co-conspirators of teammates that you're working with to be like that you know are going to be excited about some of these tools. And you say, hey, what do you think is going to work for the team? What are some things we can try? And then, guess what? You experiment. You try a couple of things. Maybe it's a trip to New Orleans, right? Maybe it's, it's bringing some, some things together or having some incentive that's there and suddenly people are engaged and people are happy and they're enjoying themselves, whatever, whatever it takes, but you want to be able to, you want to have enough options to pick and choose the things that you think are going to work for you. And so that's, that's an important, because there's a lot of great research. So what's, what's going to be most appropriate and you guys found it, right? So how do you do that without sending everybody to a different city all the time, but how are, what are ways that you can find what worked for each of your people on that trip? and find ways you can emulate that more often right because that's the that's the key when you find, when you experiment and find cool things hey dig in deeper do a little more of that make that part of your habits and your routines as a worker as you know in your teamwork in your meetings
0: and it's funny you mentioned meetings cuz after that session uh-huh. is reflecting back What they ended up doing, because again, we were all installers and every week we flew out um, out of either O'Hare or Midway uh, Uh in Chicago, so going wherever, but usually once a quarter, they would bring us all in to the home office and have a week of trainings and sessions, but also dinners and, and other things like that. And it, it just strengthened the team. And it, it got the attention of the executive of the organization because obviously this organization had software developers and programmers and all kinds of other and support teams and, and, all, and admin and finance and travel and all those other departments. And those departments weren't gelling. But ours was. And they're like, okay, well, what is it? And it's like, well, because we had strong, a strong director, we had a strong manager, and we had a team of dynamically different people yeah. um, that could come together and find some like interest to do some fun stuff, but also get the work done and be, you know, great with the customers and, and all of that. You know, so they were trying to emulate that through the other organizations, but you know the other departments in in some areas they did well but huh? other areas they didn't because they there was just they were they're trying to find the secret formula which it really wasn't secret it was just okay let people come to the table with some ideas and if those people don't bring any ideas to the table then okay then there's a dynamic in the departments going to be okay it might be a little bit more challenging or just may not be natural for that department to do the same kind of things, but there's some other things they can do that they can enjoy their work and, and all of that. It's just, uh, I don't want to say it's trial and error, but it's just like, okay, let's, let's spitball this. And it's like, okay, what, what's some ideas? What are things you think would make it uh, more enjoyable uh, in your work? And that's a question that people need to ask themselves, not just managers yes. saying, yeah, here here's a meeting. We're going to talk about how to make things easier think about that come to the table with ideas and suggestions and and if if you if you were so silly and wanted to run this department what would you do you know and that's it's a lot of people that aren't management they think well if i ran this department i do this and then they get promoted and then they realize oh wait a minute there was,
1: some, there was
0: some information they didn't share with me on how to manage it's like yeah congratulations yeah welcome to the jungle it's it's a fun place yeah. But well, yeah. like I
1: think one thing that that brings to mind for me is is when we talk about happiness, we need to differentiate a couple of different types of happiness when I think about happiness, my definition includes really when I talk about happiness it's like any positive emotion that you could possibly feel right so things like feeling content or satisfied, things like feeling joy things like you know any any positive emotion that you enjoy feeling that includes I'm, I include that when I talk about happiness and, and sort of in the research we generally talk about all positive emotions. Um but when it comes to engagement and work if we think about um some of those types you think about contentment or or satisfaction or having things be comfortable or kind of easy those are those are what I call rest and digest kind of positive emotions kind of happiness and those are great we want to have those we want to experience those but the um but they don't necessarily drive engagement. So as you're thinking about what types of activities you want to do and what kind of things to, to bring, because A, you want people to be happier, but also because you want to get that alignment that I talked about earlier. How do you help people be more engaged? You really want to focus more on those, what I call activated positive emotions, that feeling inspired, that feeling connected with your people, right? Your trip to New Orleans, you guys all got to bond and connect over both the work and the, the social time. Right? And you had time to to hang out and do things besides just the installations. And so, creating ways to find those connections and and importantly, to to make sure everyone knows that their work matters. You know, really showing, you know, one of the strategies is, is authentic appreciation, another one is cultivating connection with your team, finding meaning in what people are doing. These are all important. Ideas and they drive those activated positive emotions, that sense of fulfillment, that sense of of meaning in what you're doing, of of feeling connected and supporting one another. And so, there's not all happiness counts the same when we're talking about workplace happiness and and engagement specifically.
0: No, those are all great points. And you know, I was thinking about you know even going back to that time with bringing everybody in. it, It dawned on me that there's a lot more people that are kind of in that boat right now where most organizations are still in this remote type of situation when used to they used to work together yeah. and those dynamics of having people with happiness and working in fulfillment you know that's a it's a different approach for organizations to you know basically seek out that happiness quotient or idea for their teams and their organizations when they're not physically in the same space they're they're yeah. communicating over our smartphones or through a zoom call or something like that and it's a different dynamic so what are some things you're seeing some successful companies do around that
1: yeah I mean I think one of on the macro let's talk about the pandemic right it is We've broken all the rules that we thought we needed to do for work. Like, there's so many organizations that know if if you're not here, then you're not being productive. And so many different things that we've changed and we've had to change because we've had to adapt. So, the pandemic has caused us to sort of break all the social scripts that were there before, break all the sort of unwritten rules about how things could work. And that's an opportunity. So, as we Are both still managing this virtual space, or for those of us that are you know working harder because we're on you know the front lines, we're essential workers, then there's just this intensity of the work. But no matter what it is, we've broken all those rules. So this is our opportunity now to build it back. And we need this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I have to say, to rebuild how we work and to develop and proactively engage. What is work gonna look like in the future? Let's do that. And let's bring the things in that we know are going to help our people be happier and more engaged. So let's be proactive about that. Now, when we, when we talk specifically within this current stage, when so many people are still working from home or working remotely, there are a lot of activities that we can do. The pandemic has caused, even before the pandemic, there's a lot of people who are feeling really lonely in the world. And now we've taken away so many interpersonal interactions. And then when we have them, we're masked and we can't even see people's faces when we're interacting in real life. And then and then Zoom obviously has its own challenges. That's caused more loneliness, more sadness, more problems. And so we, we have a lot of opportunity since we're still interacting with our coworkers in Zoom meetings and other things. Let's make sure we're proactive about How we can make those, I guess there's two points here. One, have some of your meetings that are Zoom meetings where you're making sure everyone's on camera and engaged and and find some fun activities that you can do. One of the things I love to suggest is that, that you just have a meeting theme that you say, hey, for this meeting, I want everybody to just put a photo of you doing your favorite hobby as your background, right? Or one of your favorite people in the world, or you can do anything. It's great to have these sort of backdrops because it just gives you a way to be creative. So having some activity, some theme to a photo before that weekly meeting, right? Have some way of sharing something, you know, a fun activity that you're doing during pandemic. All right, let's throw that up there. Something that's interesting, just some question, some way to to find some way of connecting. So, utilizing those Zoom meetings, but selectively, because the other thing is, once you've built trust with a team, you don't have to, there's a lot of Zoom fatigue. People are like, another Zoom meeting, another Zoom meeting. We actually get a lot of really, especially once we know a team, we get a lot of good information, even if we're just doing on the phone, even if we're only listening to people. And so, don't feel like every meeting has to be a Zoom, face-on, cameras meeting, but do do some of those and make sure you utilize that time. Um, one, of, one of my favorite activities, this one's a little quirky, so I'm going to just go out on a, on a limb here. So, um, a friend of mine, Scott Crabtree, uh, is, the, is the head of the chief happiness officer at Happy Brain Science, right? He does similar things that I do. He, he calls this the Pecha Kucha presentation. What you do is you just have everyone on a team pull together 10 photos from their life interesting photos, hobbies, they do things they do, and it can be both pre and post pandemic, it doesn't have to be all now. But like, what are the things that you are excited to get back to or things that you're managing to continue? And you only have 10 seconds per photo, okay, and you do a presentation. So you maybe you pick one person, each time you do this meeting over the course of a couple months, so that everyone gets to have a chance, you put up your 10 photos, slowly, you get only ten seconds. You can't go deep into stories. You can't say, "Oh yeah, and here's Bob, and I we used to do this." Stuff. So, but just enough to like plant some seeds about interest in things, and then that'll create seeds for people to connect later. Right? That'll connect these. That'll that'll allow people. To, I didn't know that you you were part of a band in high school. I didn't know that you like to play the piano. I didn't know that this was you know th- that you like to go to these kind of concerts. Whatever it is, that can create those off. Line kind of conversations, offline kind of connections where you learn about other people, and that's an incredible way to start understanding the other people you work with.
0: Yeah, Um, I love I love that, and I'm gonna borrow it and completely give you credit for it, and say here's something (laughs) you should do for for people that I work with. It's like just do it. It's like right now because again we're separated physical distances wearing masks and, and all the other fun stuff that we've been doing for you know, almost a year now uh, in some parts you know we have been doing it for a year uh, this little exercises like that make a big difference I remember an organization uh, that I help out you know one of the first calls this is about a month into the pandemic when everything was locked down and quarantined and all that good stuff like okay we're gonna have a, a team meeting. So we didn't have a conference call. We didn't uh, have Zoom at that point uh, up and running, but basically everybody came to the meeting thinking, okay, here, we're gonna give updates on what we're working on. Here's this, here's the status of this. And he said, nope, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna talk what you're doing to cope with this pandemic right now. What are some things that are helping for you? And let's go around the room and share that. And those ideas help some people come up with ways to help them cope with the pandemic and right. it did and that was it it's like well are we going to talk about anything work it's like work's going to take care of itself i said if there's anything send an email uh we can jump on another call but that's not the purpose of this meeting this meeting is for that we are all here to help each other however we can if we see something or hear something or an idea or you know it was back when people were still trying to find masks your hand sanitizer and all that or toilet paper well, was really like, anybody any, you know you know it's like you know Every Christmas tree had toilet paper underneath it this year. I'm thinking, but um, you know, don't throw it away, people. You never know. But at the end of the day, um, it all it all really helped, and I think that's ultimately you know, when you have any type of these things, that like, you know, let's just put human back into things and just you know, okay, how are things going? Here's this, and even going back to that, you know, story that I said, I think it was in the pre-show and maybe during it about me on the elevator with um, the guy with the dog and. You know, he commented, it's like, you've got such a positive outlook on things. And so I'm like, that's, that's my, that's choice. Yeah. Right. And I, I choose that. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't have bad days or bad moments. We all do, but yeah, I don't choose to stay in that spot for very long. This is not serving me and helping me feel better. It's just causing extra stress. It's like, oh, so let's focus sure. on what I can do.
1: And what I love about what you're saying there, first, that meeting, of having a chance for people to be human, there are a lot of organizations that are like, look, emotions are kind of messy and they're kind of, let's not bring them to work, right? And they're kind of like suppressing them or pushing them away and just like, oh no, that's that's a personal life thing. You're supposed to have your emotions there. But the, the root of the word emotion is motion. And so that's because emotions move us to action, right? And if we suppress, those emotions and say look're supposed to, we're not supposed to be talking about our emotions at work we're not supposed to be bringing that stuff to work we miss on the biggest motivator personal motivator for everyone that, it, that for everyone on our team so I love that even if it took the pandemic to do it that we were able to that they were able to bring that energy to the work like hey let's talk about the hard stuff let's talk about let's talk about some personal stuff that's okay you know now don't force anybody to have to participate in any of these things, and particularly when it's negative emotions, but give everyone an out. But if we can find, if we can set the psychological safety of a room, if we can make it safe for people to participate and to, to share, it's really important because we get to understand and we get to share best practices, et cetera. And I love what you said at the end there, that you know we get to choose happiness, um, we get to choose our attitude, and that's absolutely true. There are times that we should choose to actually be sad and feel the negative emotions, but there are also times that we can say, hey, what do, what do I want to feel right now, and what are some things I can do? And, and there are so many little habits and so many routines and so many activities that we can do that help us help remind us about the good things that we have in our lives, even in a pandemic, that those are important to try and to try on and again find the things that sort of work for us, that work for our teams, and um, and then do them, experiment with them, and try them out, and move them forward.
0: That's awesome. So, Erica, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this incredible work you're doing?
1: Yeah, um, thanks. So, if you the website uh, about the book specifically is called Put Happiness to Work, all one word dot com. And there, they can learn a little more about the book. They can link. It also links to my primary website, which is erickarpinski.com. But they can learn about the book and the se- a little bit about the seven strategies. And importantly, um, what are some things that each of us can start to do for ourselves? About 80% of the book is. About what each of us individually can do for ourselves and individually can do for the people around us. That includes our families as well as and our friends that we can see, and and then importantly for our coworkers. And then about 20% of it is really about as leaders, as managers, what are some ways that we can make sure and help spread that amongst our teams? And that's uh those those two things are important. I think everyone's gonna find some value in in. That 80% for each of us, and then the other 20% is, is important as we think about how do we take our organizations into this new world? How do we build this new world? The pandemic broke almost everything. How do we pull it back together in a way that's going to serve us, serve our organization's needs, and most important, serve our employees and their needs for happiness and for for having ways to, to work with their emotions rather than against them?
0: It's awesome. I'll definitely have all those links in the show notes. So, Eric, thank you again for this amazing work that you do. And congratulations again on the book.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mike. It was uh, was wonderful to connect.
0: Thanks for listening to The The Breakfast Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.